Yeah. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. And we are back at it again, folks, for episode number six. I think I'm just going to keep counting up until, you know, I lose count and all those things. Welcome back to the Common Sense Podcast. My name is Patrick. And I'm, I'm not saying, yeah, your name is Anthony. I was going to say, I'm not saying what I teach this week. I, I know we, I, I know we established that last time, but I just wanted to make that very clear for you. Uh, I didn't think you would. It's okay. Yeah. So, um, I have wine for this podcast. And you have coffee? Is that what that is? Yes. Yeah, that's coffee. All right. So should be an interesting one. Living in different realities right now. Oh, yes. <laughs> 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 totally okay. Um, Before we get into the good news, let's check in on our spending. Have you spent any money since the last time we talked on your classroom? No, have you? <laughs> no, I haven't. I lost hope in you. I, oh my god! No, I haven't. I really Good. haven't. I promise. I, I, I promise. So my total is still at around whatever I said last time because I haven't spent any money. Okay, no money, just those clocks. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Okay, good. So you're still at zero dollars. Shout out to you. Yeah. And shout out to all the other teachers out there who are not spending all of their hard earned hard earned money on their classroom because the school district should be doing that. I love when they share and like tag me and things that they've gotten for free because they asked. So that's really fun. So keep doing that. If you ask, you shall receive. Yes. Yes, I don't know who said that, but somebody did. I, don't, I feel like such a bad Christian right now. I feel like it's a Bible verse, or we've made it into a Bible verse, asking you shall receive. I don't know. Uh, is it one? I'm not sure, but I do have a game this week. Okay, I was looking forward to this. I figured you would have. Oh, good job. Good job. It's a different game. So, um, I'm going to read you a quote from a teacher movie. Or a movie that has, um, you know, that is centered around education or teaching. And you have to tell me what movie this is. Oh, I'm going to suck at this. Okay. This is a rather long quote. So. Hey, hey, excuse me. It's not Maria's fault that she does not know that Mary had a lamb. It's not. And I say this to you. It is not Maria's fault. Because maybe, maybe where Maria came from, Mary had a dog or a little kitty cat or a little bald-headed brother named Bart. It is not her fault. And we're not going to tell her it is. Are we? No, we are not. What movie is that? I have no idea. Um, When you first started, I was like, he's going to quote something from Freedom Riders. Oh, <laughs> I almost did. I almost did. That was my first choice. <laughs> but I changed my mind. I changed my mind. 
And that doesn't sound like anything from Lean on Me. No, because I've never seen that. You've never seen Lean on Me? Oh, my goodness. I know. Um, Yeah, so that's all I've got. Um... He's waiting for Superman, but that's not really a teacher movie. Um, oh my goodness! You can give me a hint. Maybe I've seen it. Maybe I haven't. No, I'll give you another quote, but I'm not going to give you a hint. Okay, you know, one more quote. I'll give you this one. This is really easy at this point. If you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. That's it. Oh, my God. I don't know this movie. I don't. Are you serious? I'm so serious. And I'll probably be like, oh, when you say it, but no. Okay, how about this one? This is the last one. If you wake up in the morning and you can't think of anything but singing, then you're a singer, girl. Wait, wait. Um, um, goodness, now I know it. Um, it's, it's with Whoopi Goldberg, isn't it? What's the name? I don't... <laughs> Sister Act? No. Yes, congratulations. Oh, oh, okay. Sister Act 2, though. <laughs> number 2. Wow. I'm really disappointed. I'm trash. Oh, Sorry. wow. People are really shaking their head at this podcast right now. It's been years since I've seen that. Like, since I was a child. I've never watched it as an adult. Are you kidding me? No. Well, you have yeah. a long weekend coming mm-hmm. up. Yeah, and I won't be spending it. Well, never mind. <laughs> coffee to drink and books <laughs> 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 I'll have a game next time. I'll think okay. long and hard about it. Yeah. All right. No pressure. Um, do you have any good news this week? It's shady good news. Oh. We love the shade, right? We do love the shade. So, you know how grad school started? Um, one of the courses that I signed up for is literature for adolescents because I don't teach um, older children. So I figured it'd be interesting to take a course about like the books they read. And I thought maybe I'd get some criteria on how to select books and yada, yada, yada. So I get the syllabus. And from a first glance, like I was very excited because I saw Twitter and like book chats and yada, yada, yada. And then I take a closer look and I start looking up the authors that she has on this list then looking closely at the names and then looking up the Twitter chats and seeing who is participating in those Twitter chats. And I became very disappointed. Uh-oh. And, <laughs> um, so basically, it's an extremely whitewashed um, book of young adult or a list of young adult books. And, surprise. Surprise. Right. right. Yeah. Um, what was I expecting? <laughs> oh, my God. And um, the two Twitter chats were like very white as well. When I scrolled the hashtag, that's all I saw. And when I use Twitter, that's not really what I, I don't know. The Twitter chats I do are extremely inclusive of lots of different backgrounds and experiences and all that. So I was a little annoyed um, that I was going to be expected to talk books with people I don't follow. Um, I don't know. There's circles on Twitter, and that's not a circle I'm in. So I, I wasn't trying to join the circle. Um, and so I emailed her and was like, I was up, I'm disheartened by the lack of black and, black and brown voices on your um, book list. And I would really hope that you'd strive to be more inclusive of different experiences and what children should have access to read. And then I listed off lots of other books that she could do. 
And I also listed off um, people of color that she should recommend her students follow because every person she recommended us to follow was also white. Um, and then she didn't respond. Uh-oh. <laughs> so that was August 20th. And five days later, I emailed again. I was like, just following up. And basically reiterated the same thing. And she didn't respond to that either. And so she's very active on Blackboard. So I was like, maybe she doesn't check her email. And so I sent it to her on Blackboard. It's been three days since I sent the Blackboard message. She's not responded to that either. And so today I finally emailed people above her in the department and got a response from every single person I emailed above her. And she emailed back finally. And here's, I don't know, I'll leave it up to you to decide. <laughs> she, she said... In the year of 2018, Uh that she she didn't get my emails, neither of them. That's a lie. Right. Um, I've been at this university going on now six years because I completed my undergrad degree with them, and I've never had a professor say that they did not get my email. That's what I um, say to people when I like feel bad about not responding back. Yeah, (laughs) like I didn't get it. It It was lost in the uh, it was lost in the thing. It was lost in the inbox. My bad. Oops. (laughs) Whatever. You just you you said that because now the associate chairperson of the department is emailing asking why you're not emailing your students back. So I mean, if that's what you choose to cover your tracks, I mean, whatever. But are we going to talk about how you didn't respond on Blackboard for three days either? But you post on there. So I think she's lying, but. Apparently now I can use the books that I want to. She just needs to know which books I'm replacing. And she's also sending out the book list that I recommended as well as those people I suggested she follow um, to the rest of the course or the rest of the people taking the class. So some people's worldviews may be a little broadened after this, hopefully. Yeah, it's really important to advocate for yourself, right? So if you read those syllabus, the syllabi, and you um, are not happy, like you're paying all that money for, right? Oh, that's what made me sick. Because <laughs> I'm paying out of pocket now. I'm not gonna pay out of pocket to read trash. I wouldn't buy if I had the choice. Uh oh. I'm sorry. I felt I felt very strongly about it. That's okay. So there's that. That's that's the positive thing I have to share this week. Ooh, I don't know how my wine ran out so quickly. Oh no. It's going to be a long episode. Okay. Is that it? You yes. made it through another week of school? No, I haven't. Okay. I'm sorry. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. Please send your prayers out to Antonia. Wow. <laughs> Please send your prayers. We're gonna put you on a sick and shut in list soon. This is crazy. You can't feel like this. It's September. No, no, no. This well, I mean we have a, a long weekend coming up, but this is the second full week. And it's just it was a very long week. Oh my goodness. That's all. Like there's nothing bad happening or anything. It's just some weeks are longer than no, some weeks are longer than others. Some weeks fly by and some don't. This is one that did not fly by. Like last week flew by. Oh my goodness. So hugs, hugs. <laughs> um, so I just have two pieces of good news. 
Um, the first is I want to say that I'm almost done with training. Yay. Um, yay. Um, and my time has not really been wasted as nearly as much this this year. It was almost we almost had a perfect track record until today when I spent um six hours in a handwriting um workshop, but we're not gonna talk about that because we're focusing on the good news. And let's just say like my room is together, my life size um Obama's on the wall, my timeline is up. My first unit is planned. I'm ready to go. And I feel like I'm in such a great emotional space to start the year. So I just want to say that's a great piece of good news. Shout out to my school and my amazing principal, who really is just acting like such an amazing dean of faculty, which is more of a private school term. But Every um, time you use the word dean... I'm tempted to like run down the the know. roster of <laughs> Dean, Dean of Snacks, Dean of Dismissal. Y'all know how charter Dean schools do. School. <laughs> <laughs> right. Charter schools always trying to give somebody a title, please. Um, I also want to shout out a piece of good news. This is actually older news, but it's come up again. So a teacher here in D.C. by the name of Mr. Diaz, Alejandro Diaz, he um, graduated from the Johns Hopkins um, master's program in education. He works with students who are historically underserved. And he thought it would be a great idea to take his students or organize a field trip so that his students could attend his graduation ceremony. Oh, really? Yes, it was so amazing. Um, So he raised money via GoFundMe for a bus. Um, And they got T-shirts, and they all made graduation caps. (laughs) And they attended the Johns Hopkins... Uh, graduation to see their second grade or third grade teacher, um, Alejandro Diaz, walk across the stage. That's and, adorable. Right. I thought that was so cool. Like, so sweet. we talk about college and stuff like that, but, you know, like, we are also in college, too, and to include your students in your experience, like, really makes that college thing more tangible for them. Yeah. Like, I've been so against talking about college in elementary school because I think it sort of limits their imagination almost of what the real world and what their trajectory can be like um, when they do graduate from high school. So this is just one of those cool ways that makes it a little bit more real and not this abstract idea of, quote unquote, college. Yeah. Um, I know that they were on several news programs and some of the kids talked about how they would essentially commit to being first generation college students. And because they um, saw their teacher graduate, then then that made them then want to graduate from college as well. So I just said, that's just so lovely and nice. It's adorable. It's adorable. So folks, we're going to do something a little bit different this week. 
we are going to bring you the state. <laughs> Why? Are you... I know we haven't decided a name for this. No, you choose your words so carefully. I well, yeah. I think because <laughs> what I normally what the first thing I want to say is normally not the best, so I try to, you know, bring it together. You're better than I am. So, folks, we are going to run through a couple of headlines that really bring together a picture of kind of what's going on across the country in our nation's schools. And you know what? I'll be honest in saying that the news has had it like they just have to do a better job at finding the bright spots in our education system. But I do want to tell you some headlines that are going on in our education system currently. So I'll try to start off um, light, you know, and work our way down to a little crazier, but we'll start. First up, we have a school district in New Mexico who just completed their first year um, with last year. They completed, now they're going to do it again, um, of a reduced school schedule. So they only go to school for four days out of the week. So they caught up with PBS.org. Shout out to PBS who interviewed the some people from the school district um, to talk about their move from going to school Monday through Friday to going to school Monday through Thursday. And they said that students spend about 22 fewer days in school, but they have longer days and shortened breaks. And they said that 90% of parents agree with the change. I thought it was interesting that they also found that the school saved $71,000 that year, though they estimated saving $160,000, right? Um, One thing I also thought was interesting, they said their biggest saving was on substitute teachers. So teacher attendance uh, greatly improved throughout this week. Um, Most of their teachers felt like their lessons and their actual teaching was stronger throughout this year because they had that extra day um, off, if you will. One thing I also thought was interesting, some parents and grandparents felt like they were burdened by having to keep their students um, or their children for that extra day on Friday. Um, And there is currently no long-term research on this, but the school says that they saw an increase in reading and math test scores, but it's unclear what the impact is on students who struggle academically and might need more time in class. Um, They said that the debate is far from over, but um, that they um, are going to continue with the four-day week. So what are your thoughts on having a four-day school week? What do you think? Um, so I think the four-day thing is interesting. My next question is, well, not next question. My question is, did the teacher still have to report on the fifth day? 
or were they off? That's a good question. Because I kind of feel like they had to still report because they would have had to save. They would have saved even more. Um, because I don't see a district paying a full five day salary if the teachers are not there the fifth day. So I don't know. I've seen it. I I I've read. I don't even remember where it was where they switched to a four uh, four day week. Um, and the fifth day was like a planning day and kids who needed extra assistance would come in the fifth day and the rest of the children wouldn't. But I think if we can get to half, like it, I doubt it'll happen. Right. Um, but like half day teaching, like actual content instruction, like what you think is the actual teaching and then arts and physical things in the afternoon, I think that'd be an ideal way for a child to spend a school day. So I believe that um, the teachers actually had, from reading here, one of the teachers said that the extra day gave them the poss- the day off to rest and recover. Um, it doesn't specify if they had to report or not. Um, do you think they should, though? I don't know. I mean, I'd take a three-day weekend every weekend. Uh, I definitely would take it. I I wouldn't want shorter breaks and longer days. No, no. Absolutely not. I, I think there are so many creative ways that we can structure a school day. I mean, as long as test scores are our only way of preparing students for the future like we're always going to be limited if the school day was shortened but students were or if older students were participating in like some type of co-op program or an internship on Fridays or if they were doing half days here and half field trip days there like I think there are so many ways to structure a school day but we put an overemphasis on direct instruction and like test scores at the end of the day. So it really limits our creativity of what we can do to prepare our students to be the people that they want to truly be in the world. I think the length of a school day is one of those impacts of standardized testing that no one talks about. I remember being in second grade and our school day ended at 2.30. I was in the car rider line at 2.30. And when I went to third grade, they bumped it up to 2.35. And I remember because I remember my mom complaining about like the extra five minutes. Like, why did they even bother with that? But if I like I'm okay, I got to school at 2.30. But now we have kids in school until 3.34 o'clock. Wow. Why? Like, what is the extra hour doing? Like, the child is already tired. (laughs) I'm tired. I know the six-year-old is tired. Yeah. And then you want them to stay for tutoring? What are, what are they retaining? I, don't know. I think ultimately our schools have to do a better job at crafting. If we're going to keep kids in school for seven hours, we have to do a better job at crafting the school day that um, kind of pushes them to have that time where, of ex- self-exploration. Uh, um I, I'm a big component of, like, study halls, honestly. Um, and just, like, that free time where, like, I get a chance to take control of my own learning. Like, student-centered learning for real. Like, 
Like this year. Don't they call that genius hour now? There's always a new term. They might. For it. I don't know. Uh, they- this year in my school, we're doing a, a makerspace block. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be fun where they literally get to go in our science lab and take recyclable materials and just build for, I think, a second hour and a half. So I think that that's going to be cool. But, like, you know, we're just one All these names are so interesting. Like, today I was watching something where they were like, where they were saying, they were saying that when their kids finished in their class, they could go do these STEM buckets, right? And she goes and she shows what the STEM buckets are in their Legos. And I'm just like, so... Just call it Legos, I mean, sis. Just call the Legos, Legos. Like, why we got to put this little sticker on it and say STEM? I, I Ultimately, know. though, I think that they have to really be creative. The one thing that stood out for me in this article, last thing I'll say is, like, to keep kids home for an extra day, I don't think it's fair to working parents um, to have to figure out that piece. <laughs> like, who's going to watch my kid? <laughs> like, like, like that thing, that to me... That doesn't sit well with me. So I get that, but I also know that there's another side where people will say, like, the school is not... Like, a lot of parents view the school as a babysitter. Sure, yeah. And I mean, I've heard that come out of people's mouths. Um, And so, like, when they complain about maybe the fifth day of the school not being opening, being opened, like, sometimes I get that that's kind of the feel... Um, because like while the school does provide a service and it's historically been in line with regular business hours, it's not necessarily, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that you should, um, I don't know how to word this and it's taking up so much time. <laughs> like I get that there's a relationship between the parents and the school, but at the school's role or like school as a big idea in my mind is not, I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say it so politically. Um, Just say it. It's not their job to watch your, to watch your kid. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and I, I, I hate to say that because like, I truly believe like, you know, we need to offer alternatives for kids when parents are at work and X, Y, and Z, but, like, it's not the school's job. If the school decides to be closed this day, like, someone, somehow, there needs to be other arrangements made. So, Boys and Girls Club, step step up. I feel bad for saying that. No, but, it's fine. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of after-school <laughs> programs that I think could take advantage of this extra day off. But I do feel bad for any relative that has to suddenly... Yeah. I think if like, you know, from the very beginning, like, okay, it's a four day, it's a four day week, no matter what, we can make preparations for this. But you shouldn't like, you shouldn't spring that on parents, right? There should have been conversations long in advance that this was going to happen. And you know, what time school is going to end that the child cannot be here on this day and X, Y, Z informing the parents long ahead of time. (laughs) I told you, you weren't going to like what I had to say. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> Whatever he wants me off. He's like I cannot believe oh she thinks that thing. 
How dare she say the school will not be open for children? <laughs> I know that's what you're thinking. No. I'm thinking, where's my wine? So. Because <laughs> uh-huh. I said that. <laughs> as she drinks her coffee <laughs> oh god wow um the wall street journal has posted that schools are cracking down as more students cut class and that schools are trying to figure out how the hell that they can reverse chronic absenteeism from prizes to punishments um, it says <laughs> that I, whenever I see Texas, I just always laugh because I know you have something to say. It's going to be some foolishness. So, districts are trying to figure out how to get kids in class. It says for perks, districts in Texas, Florida, and elsewhere are raffling off cars, televisions, and gift cards for perfect attendance. Students in Cleveland Metropolitan School Districts get robocall reminders to wake up and go to school by members of the Cleveland Browns football team. Hey, what's good? You know, they talk about that about 16% of students or nearly 8 million students were chronically absent for missing at least 15 days in the 2015-2016 school year, the latest available data from the U.S. Department of Education. That's up 12% from about 7 million in 2013-2014, while the student population only grew 1.1% that period. It's because they're doing all these testing booklets. Kids don't want to be there. (laughs) D.C. and Maryland had the highest percentages of students considered chronically absent, 31% and 29%, respectively. (laughs) I'm dead. Wow. I'm dead. Wow. I'm dead. I'm so embarrassed. North. Uh, That's a lot of kids. North Dakota had the lowest rate at 9.5%. Shout out to North Dakota. Can we just stop and talk about this? 31% and 29% respectively. Now, I remember my first year, no, my second year of teaching, I had students, I had one student who was chronically absent. Um... But that was for a very, like, specific purpose. Like, I don't think it's about students wanting to come to school. I think our our kids and babies and families are, like, going through so much at home that, yeah. like, create a barrier to coming to school, right? And it's like, am I going to go to school or am I going to deal with this? Or am I going through so much that I can't get out of bed, Right. Um, or do I live so far away from my school that I, I, I had a parent tell me one time, like, she lives far from the school. And so if she missed the bus, it's going to take them 30 or so minutes for the next bus to come to get on the next bus. And she's like, by that time, she would get to school an hour and a half, two hours late. And she felt like it was just a waste of time to get her to school that late. And I was like, but you got to bring her anyway. Um, so like there are a lot of things happening. Um, I don't know if incentives is the right answer for this cars and baseball and football team calls. I think it's not even attempting to address the problem. Like there are so many barriers in place 
that students have to overcome to get to school. Um, I know I don't know if it's a rule everywhere, but in Texas, if you live within two miles of the school, you cannot ride a school bus. They won't send a bus to your area. Um, and especially with young children, if the parent can't get you to school or you don't live close enough to walk that short distance by yourself, a lot of times it's just difficult to get there. Um, I know my first year, most of the kids lived about a mile from the school, and many did not have older siblings. And so to expect a young child to walk a mile to school by themselves every day, um, especially when the parents worked early, it was it just didn't, it didn't happen. So they were there some days, some days they weren't. If it rained, um, it was likely that they, you know, they couldn't make it to school. There are just a lot of things in place that prevent them from getting there. And saying I'm going to get a car in return for perfect attendance, oh like, what? Yeah. So they, they actually, my first year, they talked about, they talked to us as a grade level. They were like, um, we need to come together and we need to have incentives because there's a, a, a problem with attendance. And because I can never fix my face when people say things that I just think are crazy. The lady, she was like, you know, what if we all just put together for a gift card to the gross to like Target or, or Walmart. And then whoever has perfect attendance that week will come and they'll keep, they can get the card. And my first thing was, wait, how often are we doing this? And how much money are you asking me to put in? Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. So I, I just, I don't know. Incentives feel yucky for intended attendance i really want there, schools to figure out what the issue is <laughs> and address it right so like it wouldn't cost like if you you can do things with your budget and hisd just recently released like a budget for what schools have been spending their money on so i'm gonna dig into that this long weekend um but you have the discretion to pay to send a bus to pick children up you have the discretion to Use funds as you see fit. I mean, as we always, we come back to these same things that you spend money on. But you can ask, like, what the barriers are or, like, be observant. Yeah. yeah. Right? Or is that the right word? Like, you can meet those needs. (laughs) This is crazy. So get your kids to school. And schools, figure out how you can get the kids to the school. There are too many services. Y'all talk about being tech, 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 uh, focused. Use that tech to get these kids to school. Call them some robot Ubers. Okay. Robot. <laughs> you know they exist, right? They exist. All right. Uh, we'll end it here because we're running a little bit long. Oh. I'm sad to say this, but I'm going to just do it anyway because it's in the news. My hometown of Detroit. Detroit Public Schools Community District Superintendent, according to NPR, has ordered drinking water to be shut off at the district's roughly 100 schools. After two-thirds of the building in the early tests were found to have levels of lead or copper, that were too high. Oh my. Oh my. I just. They said that 34 Detroit schools have water quality issues. 
um, and that the water authority has said that the drinking water um, is not up to par in these schools. This certainly does not sound well considering Flint still after still doesn't have clean drinking water. Makes no sense that we and by we I mean Michigan are surrounded by the Great Lakes. (laughs) Whoa, yes. (laughs) Some of the freshest water that you got in the US. And for some reason, these (laughs) the the drinking water is not clean. Oh my god. I that reminds me of um, my first year. There was like this huge scare in HISD and they were like, we're going to test all the schools for lead in the water. And because of how like run down my school was, I kept asking my admin if the score on our water had come back yet. And she was like, no, 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 they haven't tested, haven't tested, haven't tested. All year she told me no. And eventually she's like, oh, well, they tested and they said it was fine. But, like, all year, like, my kids did not drink the water. I didn't drink the water because it just, it just smelled weird. Um, I just cannot imagine kids not having access to clean water at school. Like, what do you give these children when they come in from recess? Come in from PE? Like, what are they drinking? I'm not sure, but school starts on Tuesday for them. And this article was posted on... Um, August 30th. So they have about. That's today. Yeah, that's today. That's about six days. Not six days. Is that? Well, not a lot of days um, (laughs) to get their (laughs) shit together. Um, You had all summer. It says under state law, Detroit public schools, community school districts cannot borrow money like other districts can. And local property taxes generated are still being used to pay off the legacy debt. These were Detroit Public Schools is so interesting. It's such a complex school district in uh, terms of finances. Um, but they are trying to figure out what the hell to do um, so that they are able to service uh, more than 47,000 students in their school district. It would take about $500 million to completely repair and update all school buildings. Um, Wow. And if they don't sort of address this soon, according to NPR, the price tag will run them billions of dollars. And I I think that this just really comes back to infrastructure and (laughs) the conditions that our babies have to learn in. Um, before we can even talk about lessons or classrooms, it's, it's like, do they even have safe drinking water at the water fountain? Do they have meals to eat? Are the ceilings um okay? Like, do they have power? You know, like I, th- I think about Baltimore, who did not have heat in their buildings last school year. Um, our nation really has to begin to value education <laughs> if we truly say kids are the future well goddamn it treat them like it treat them like show it us. show us with the dollars 
with the dollars. I don't know. We will update you guys on what's happening in Detroit, but we are hoping that we can that they can get these kids <laughs> the drinking water that they so deserve before the first day of school, the day after Labor Day. Yikes. I don't know. We'll see. So this is what's going on in our nation's schools. I promise that even with all of this craziness happening, um, there are still teachers out there busting their ass to give kids the best education that they possibly can. And Jesus, we can only take it one day at a time, folks. One day at a time. And on that note, we will take a quick break and we'll be right back. Yeah. I never get to open us back up, <laughs> but we're back. <laughs> um, if you have questions, you can send them to commonsensepod at gmail.com or you can go to our website at commonsensepod.com. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so fake. Oh, uh, it did, but hey, it's you made fine. it. Okay. You ready for some questions? I'm ready. Okay. You have your wine ready? <laughs> These are some good ones. Fully restocked. Box <laughs> wine, by the way. Oh, poor thing. <laughs> oh, wow. You've, um, it's quite the laugh. Let's continue. <laughs> Come on. Hi, Patrick and Antonia. I love the podcast and, and am learning so much from your conversations. I'm currently a second grade teacher at a public school in Philadelphia. Next year, I'll be moving to a new city. Since both of you have taught, have taught at multiple different schools in your career, I'm wondering how do you choose a school that's right for you? What are the important things to consider during the search process? I'm not really sure where to start since there are just so many schools to apply to. Thanks so much. <laughs> Multiple and different. Yeah. Made me laugh. Um, what you got? Well, this is my first time returning to the, to the same school more than once for more than one year. So it's great. Um, when you're choosing a school that's right for you, for me, I'm looking for a couple things. The first thing I'm looking for is autonomy. If, (laughs) if schools can't articulate what autonomy looks like, then I'm out. Peace out. Deuces. Chris Brown, 2010, maybe. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm also looking for teacher leadership opportunities. So how do you, how can you contribute to um you know the school in whatever ways? But mainly I am looking and assessing administration during my interview. I need to know are they micromanagers? Are they giving me micromanager teas? Are they giving me like never around vibes? Are they giving me like coach and dean of faculty, or are they giving me like I don't really know what's going on? So like I just got hired. I'm trying to fill a spot. So ultimately, 
administration in this day and age of education is the make or break. And so that is what I would uh, look for when it comes to the search process. I'm not sure. Um, I've never, I, I don't look at me funny when I say this, but I've never like looked for a school to work for. I've always been recommended or, <laughs> or, or like called and brought, <laughs> called or like brought in or like, you, you know, things like that. I don't know. What about you? So I look at the school's website first. Um, when I was applying to where I'm going to be, where I am currently, I knew I wanted to get into the district. So I, I changed districts. I knew I wanted to get into the district. And I went down the school's pages and looked at the teacher profiles and just did not apply anywhere that didn't have any black teachers. And I know. Te- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I wasn't trying to be the only one. Um, and I know teachers leave from year to year. But it's not common that there's a mass exodus in one year of all the black teachers. Um, So I was looking for schools that had black teachers because that showed me that admin wanted to have a diverse staff. And like it was intentional because there are some schools that are just lily white. So that was something I looked at. I looked at student demographics because I wanted to serve students who... um, came from similar backgrounds and I wanted a, as much as I hate the word diverse, I wanted a diverse student body. <laughs> okay. um, I, so I looked at that as well. I, I really dig into data when I'm looking at a school. I look at how many kids are suspended. I look at how many are expelled, how many get referrals. Like all of that information is public if you know where to look and you can see like which, um, principal was active during that time and all that information. So I really look into the data behind a school because if you're suspending all your kids, I kind of don't want to be at your school. Um, And then also, I guess the last thing is just the feel I get of the school. Like if I walk in and I feel like this could be home, um, if people are warm and inviting and it looks like a place where children are happy and the children are thriving, then, you know, that may be a good fit. It's, It's all about you need to feel comfortable too. You should not walk out feeling like, I mean, you might be a little stressed because you're trying to find a new job, but you shouldn't walk out feeling stressed from being in that environment. Preach. So, yeah. Those are the things that are important to me when I'm looking for a school. Okay. Preach, girl. Preach. Next question. What are your favorite teacher books and resources for professional development? Well, you can go ahead and lead that one. Really? <laughs> um, because I teach kindergarten right now, my favorite things are anything by Fontes and Pinnell. Um, I love using their materials to grow my knowledge um, about phonics and reading instruction. Um, my guided reading plans are a mile long because I like knowing exactly what may happen or why a reader exhibits certain behaviors. Um, so I love Fountas and Pinnell. I love anything by Rethinking Schools. If you can get your hands on those books, you need to buy all of them. They have them at half price. I will say that. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, they have them at half price bookstore. Um, and oftentimes I'm able to get them for like a fourth of the price. I'm looking at all the books I have and trying to like pick out uh, which ones I just recommend. I highly recommend the new teacher book for anyone. It is also a Rethinking Schools publication. 
Um, that book really grew me my first year. I highly recommend Black Teachers on Teaching. Yes. Um, yes, that's one of my favorite books. Um, maybe I'll do a post about some. Do you have any favorites? Not really. Um, <laughs> I'm still trying to find my faves. Um, I feel like I can tell you what I'm using at the moment. Go for and it. And at the moment, you know, I, I am definitely still reading <laughs> Black Teachers on Teaching. Um, I love Heinemann Publishing. I think that they produce some really great material. Um, and so the Reading and Writing Strategies book by Jennifer um, is also great. The Curious Classroom is great. Um, I also like Lucy Calkins. <laughs> she, she, you know, has given me a nice little something to think about, you know, in terms of what independent reading and what independent writing should look like and students not reading and writing for adults, but reading and writing for themselves and for their lives. That was a uh, RuPaul, um, that was a RuPaul reference. Um, but yeah, like I feel like I get most of my ideas from like conversations and social media and relationships that I do actual literature literature. So I'm trying to work on that so I can be more like my friend here. <laughs> While you were saying all of those, I was thinking of other ones. Um, I have two more to share. There is Black Ants and Buddhists by Mary Kohei. And then there is Exploring Mathematics Through Play in the Early Childhood Classroom by Amy Noel Parks. Those were really formative for me when I first started out. So, do you want to do one more question or do you want to close it? You'll edit this out as well. Do, <laughs> do one more. Okay. Uh, announce it as the last question, though. I know. Because we're running along. We are. Okay. One more question. Handling interrupters. How do you handle students who constantly interrupt you all day long? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I don't mind interrupters. To me... There are two kinds. There are the productive, I'm really excited about learning interrupters. And they and and then there's like the attention seeking, I got something else going on interrupters, right? And the first kind, the I'm really excited, I don't really mind. Like I think it's very I teach black kids and to me it's a very churchy thing to interact with your teacher your preacher right amen yes oh let me add this oh l let me do this or oh yes you know what i'm saying like uh, like that's the culture that i build in my room right um and so for those kids who are um trying to like cause a distraction or disruption you know <sighs> i don't so <laughs> there's two patricks there's the the Patrick that ignores them and like doesn't pay them no mind, and then there's the Patrick that, um, you know, kind of kind of shuts them down. 
um, in a quick and swift manner. Uh, <laughs> um, but it, it depends. Like, if people are, if students are being, if or if students want to engage in that manner, like, let them engage. I think, like, hand raising to me is um, an oppressive, it's an oppressive um, tool sometimes. Um, like, let kids talk and speak and like allow and teach them to engage the room or to like scan the room so that they can like you know step up step back that's a rule in our classroom step up step back um and those kids who are looking for a moment honey they won't get it from me (laughs) um so in kindergarten we do a lot of hand raising because actually one of our standards is like the ability to listen because everyone wants to talk over each other. So an end of year goal I have is maybe not having them to have to raise hands, but right now it's a real thing. Like I'm going to need you to raise your hand because we need to practice taking turns to speak. So we're not talking over each other. Um, So for me, interrupters, when I read the question, I was thinking of like interruptions during a read aloud. And I have, (laughs) I have two responses to it um, because, you know, in kindergarten, a lot of the times, what they have to share has nothing to do what's in with what's in the story. Yikes. Um, but it's clearly something that they thought of, like their thought was triggered. Um, so if they have something they want to say about the story, like I, I'm teaching them right now and still teaching them to raise their hand because we want to hear everyone's voice. Um, but when they're shouting out stuff that has nothing to do with the story, I'm like, oh, thank you for sharing. We can chat about that later. Um, for things throughout the day, I don't really have that problem because if they're working, they're more than welcome. If I'm not with a group of kids, they're more than welcome to come up to me and talk. Um, and they do that quite often. And I try to give lots of opportunities for them to talk because if I'm having a problem with interrupting, I'm probably talking too long. And that's how I've kind of started to view it. Yep. Teachers get out of the way of students and their learning period. If you have any questions that you'd love for us to answer, you can send them to commonsensepod at gmail.com or you can send them through our website at commonsensepod.com. Good job, Antonia. Clap it up. Yay. Do we have a quote this week? Here's the quote. (laughs) So official. It comes down to what your priorities are. And if public education is about kids, then every decision we make should be focused on the question of, is this good for a child? And that should be the driving focus and the priority when we decide what our policy should be and what our laws should be. Mm. And that was by Campbell Brown. Yes. I feel that. I felt that. I'm still That's a question that I use to guide me. Honestly, if we're not thinking about our kids, then what the hell are we doing? <laughs> what the hell right. are we doing? Sweet Lord. Sweet Lord. So keep your eyes on the kids at all times. And on that note, we are going to wrap up this episode of the Common Sense Podcast. I hope you guys are having an amazing Labor Day weekend. When we come back, I'll have started I would have started school. So shout out to my kids. 
um, in my school. And I hope you guys have an amazing week. Let's get it.